We want to extend a warm welcome to you as we have gathered together to worship and praise the Lord. It is Sunday, January the 24th. We know that as we focus our attention upon the Lord, that he will refresh and renew our hearts and our minds and our souls. So this morning's message is entitled, Making Disciples, Jesus' Plan to Reach the World, found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. So come and join us as we worship the Lord together. Good morning, and a warm welcome to this morning's Winkler Birchtower Mennonite Church worship service. We pray that you will experience God this morning as you worship with us. A special welcome to all guests who have joined our broadcast to bring praise, honor, and glory to our God, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For an opening passage, let's turn our thoughts and minds to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. And I'll read as follows. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, They will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Wise instruction to mankind from God's manual, the Bible, to stay true to his word and fulfill the ministry to which he has called each one of us. For we live in perilous times, and trials are upon us, but we are called to persevere. Let's take our bulletins and look at the announcements of the church, the uh, various activities and concerns. Uh, First, uh, persons with health needs. Gina Hildebrandt is still at the Swan Lake Hospital. Remember her in prayer. Pray that God will give patience healing, and make his presence known to those struggling with mental and physical illnesses. Pray for the counselors at Pemina Counseling Center. Pray for our missionaries, Don and Shar Epp. There's an expression of sympathy. Brenda McMullen passed away Tuesday, January 19th. 
She is the daughter to Elsie Rempel. Your prayers are coveted for Brenda's husband, Paul, and their two daughters, as well as Elsie and the family. Chastity Katabira is transferring her membership to our church, and she will be received into our membership on January 31st of this month, or this year. Remember to pray for and support our church's gift of meat and the food for the hungry ministries. And then uh, take a look at the bulletin for the various opportunities to give towards our tithes and offerings. Shall we pause to pray? Lord God, we come before your throne of grace and thank you for being our God and the God of our salvation. We thank you that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, and as your children, you consider us as inheritance to your royalty and joint heirs with Christ. We marvel at your attributes, all-knowing, all-seeing, alone-wise, and that you can comprehend the thoughts of billions of people simultaneously and attend to each one's needs. Lord, we cannot comprehend what you can do through your people if we would surrender our lives in complete obedience to you. Give us insight and yearning for such a relationship with you, Lord. Help us to recognize and obey the promptings of your Holy Spirit and live our lives so that we can be blessed by you. Lord, we pray for lost souls and the people shackled to sin. We pray that they would be released from their sin by the blood of Jesus and that they would find salvation in Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for people with health needs within our church and community, and we ask that you would place your hand of healing upon them. Give patience, healing, and make your presence known to those that are struggling with these mental and physical illnesses. Lord, we ask you to uphold and meet the need of Paul McMullen, his daughters, and the Elsie Rempel family in loss of their family member. Be the God of strength, peace, and compassion as they sorrow and face a difficult situation. For the counselors at Pemina Valley Counseling Service, we ask for wisdom, insight, discernment, and understanding as they counsel people to a path of recovery and healing from brokenness. Continue to be the inspiration to Don and Shariap here at home and in their ministry in the Philippines. We pray for continued revival among the Acta people and that you would raise up leaders, spiritual giants among their peoples. We pray a blessing on chastity and her decision to join our body of believers. May she continue to be a faithful servant to you and in turn to us. Lord, we pray for the families who are receiving food and necessities through our food and meat ministry. Touch their lives, help them to experience your love, and draw them into a relationship with you. Lord God, we thank you and ask your blessing on the gifts of tithes and offerings that you have entrusted to us. May they serve to build your kingdom. Lord, place your hand of blessing on each participant in this morning's worship service. Anoint your servant, Pastor Dean, to freely minister the truth of your word. May that truth penetrate our hearts and affect our lives to serve you. For we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning. This morning we're going to sing together, and I've invited uh, my friend Ray Giesbrecht to join us. I'm Victor Engbrecht. And the first song we're going to sing this morning is We Praise Thee, O God, or also known as Revive Us Again. We praise Thee, O God, for the Son of Thy love, for Jesus who 
died and is now gone above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. We praise thee, O God, for the Spirit of light who has shown us our Savior and scattered our night. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. O glory and praise to the Lamb that was slain, who has borne all our sins and doth cleanse every stain. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. Revive us again. Fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. The second song and third song we're going to sing this morning are more in line with the uh, theme of this morning, which has to do with disciple-making. Please join us. I am the clay, 
mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yielded and still. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own Search me and try me, Master, today. Whiter than snow, Lord, wash me just now, as in thy presence humbly I bow. Have thine own way. Morning. Last Sunday, Mrs. Engbrecht shared about some people in the Bible who trusted God even when it was difficult to do. There's another person in the Old Testament who trusted God eventually, but it took him a while to realize that he needed to trust and obey God. Do your parents ever ask you to do something that you don't really want to do? Have you ever tried to hide from your parents so you don't have to do it? Well, sometimes God nudges us to do something, and we don't always do or want to do what he asks us to. And that's what happened with Jonah. The story of Jonah is found in the book of Jonah in the Bible. God asked Jonah to go to a city called Nineveh to warn them that he was going to punish them because they were very wicked and did evil things. The city of Nineveh was huge. It tells us in the book of Jonah that there were more than 120,000 people in that city, and it would take three days to walk around it. You can imagine how afraid Jonah was. In fact, he was so afraid that he tried to hide from God in a ship so that he wouldn't have to go there. Do you think God found him? Yes, he did. And he convinced Jonah to go. God is everywhere, and we can't hide from him. Let's read the story. Jonah and the Whale 
This is Jonah. He lived a very long time ago in a country called Israel. He was a good man who believed in God. One day, God said, Go to Nineveh. The people there are very wicked. Tell them to be good and obey me. Jonah didn't want to go. I'll go to Tarshish, he thought. God won't be able to see me there. And he set off. At the port, he got on a ship. Jonah paid his fare, and the ship left for Tarshish. But soon, there was a terrible storm. The sailors were terrified. They prayed to their gods to save them, but the storm got worse. Jonah slept through it all. The captain woke Jonah. Ask your God to save us, he said. Jonah was trying to hide from God so he wouldn't pray. Throw me into the sea. That will save you, said Jonah. I can't, said the captain. But some other men grabbed Jonah. They threw Jonah overboard. Just at that moment, the storm stopped. The sailors thanked Jonah's God for saving them. Jonah sank down into the sea. I am going to drown, thought Jonah. Suddenly, a huge whale swam up and swallowed Jonah whole. God has saved me. I'm still alive, thought Jonah. It's very dark and wet inside this whale. Jonah lived in the whale for three days. Then the whale swam to a beach. It opened its mouth and spat Jonah out onto dry land. Again, God said, go to Nineveh. All right, God, I'll go now, said Jonah, and he walked all the way to the great city. You must stop being wicked, said Jonah, or God will destroy your city. The king told the people that they must obey God. Jonah sat outside the city. He waited for it to be destroyed. But God saw that the people had changed, and he spared the city. I love all the people, Jonah. And I am everywhere, said God. You can't run away from me. Jonah knew this was true. In Proverbs 15, verse 3, it says, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. This can be a real comfort to us. It's hard for us to understand this, but God is everywhere and he knows what is going on everywhere in the world. If there is something he wants us to do, even if it's hard, he will be with us and help us to do it. We know we can't do anything in our own strength. God is our strength. I'm going to read that verse again. Proverbs 15, verse 3 says, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Let's pray. Dear God, 
Thank you for being everywhere all the time and for constantly watching over us. Thank you that you know us better than we know ourselves and that you want what is best for us. Help us to trust in you at all times and to obey you. We love you. Amen. This morning, this morning's scripture is found in Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 8. It's under a subtitle, Jesus Taken Up Into Heaven. Acts chapter 1, starting with verse 1. In my former book, Theopolis, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one of these occasions, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Jerusalem, or to Israel, pardon me? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority but you will receive power <clears throat> when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be, then, be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, thus far in God's word. Back in the mid-70s, I was 14 or 15 years old. It was summertime, and a group of us kids were playing over at the kids' park. There we met three other children approximately our age, a brother and a sister from the next town to us, and a girl who was their cousin from B.C. All three of them were visiting their grandmother that summer. We quickly all became friends over the next couple of weeks. We gathered together a few times, and each time we ended up talking about the end times, the rapture, the Antichrist, and the tribulation. Some of the people in the group were not believers, but that didn't stop the rest of us from sharing about the Lord. That summer came to an end. Next year, the summer later, I received a phone call from the girl who was from B.C. Her name was Dina, and that's why I remember her name, because it was just like mine, except it had an A at the end. And she called to tell me that she was back in town and that she wanted to meet me over at the kids' park. When we met, she said to me, I just want to let you know that I became a Christian over this past year and I'm going to church every Sunday. It is because you took time to share the Lord with me. I was shocked to realize that the Lord had used me to help her to decide to follow Christ. I had no training or experience. I only shared what the Lord had laid on my heart. I learned a very valuable lesson, and that was God can use anyone he wants to, to to share the gospel with others, 
as long as we are obedient. God uses ordinary people like you and me to reach others with the gospel. Some of us will plant seeds, some of us will cultivate, and some of us will harvest. But it is the Lord who gives the growth. As believers, we are called to make disciples. I want you to take your Bibles with me and turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. The passages, and this passage, of course, is known as the Great Commission. Follow along as you listen. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Bow your heads with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you to thank you for all your blessings that you have given us. And we thank you especially for the mandate that you have given each of us as believers to go and make disciples. I pray, Lord, that you would work within each of our hearts. And Lord, you would help us to become disciple makers. For this is the way that you have planned to reach the entire world. We'll do it one at a time and then multiply But the thing is, we can't do it in our own strength. So we'd ask you to give us eyes to see where you want us to go, and that you would lead and guide us, that we would be sensitive to you, and we would do according to what you tell us. So I pray now, Lord, go with us through the scriptures today as we look into them and see how they can be applied to our lives so we can be obedient to your word. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I've entitled this message, Making Disciples, Jesus' Plan to Reach the World. And of course, Making Disciples, Jesus' Plan to Meet the World comes with obedience. And we already read that first verse. Let me read that verse for you one more time. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. The first thing that we learn about these disciples is that they were obedient to the Lord when he spoke to them. Now we must remember that from the time of Christ's death and resurrection to his ascension was 40 days. When Christ was crucified, the disciples faced the crushing blows to all their dreams of Christ being their reigning king. However, three days later, they experienced the greatest joy that they possibly ever could experience, and that was Christ rising from the dead. Yes, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when Christ told them to go to the mountain in Galilee, they were ready to go and be obedient. Just think what would have happened if the disciples wouldn't have obeyed the Lord in that small step of instructions. They would have never heard the instructions that the Lord had for them. Here's the key for us. If we are not obedient in the small things that the Lord tells us to do, we will miss out on the greatest blessings in life. So we can see that making disciples 
making Jesus, making disciples, Jesus' plan to reach the world first is, of course, comes with obedience. We must be obedient even in the small things. But the second thing that we learn here is it comes with worshiping Christ. Verse 17. Verse 17 tells us when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Like the women in verse 9 of this chapter, the disciples worshiped Christ. And if you would just go back to the first part of chapter 28, starting at verse 8, you would read this. So the women, women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to, to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The reason the women worship Jesus is because Jesus is God in the flesh. Remember what Thomas said when he heard that Jesus had been resurrected from the dead? He said this, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Of course, the saying came from this is the doubting Thomas. He didn't believe. He didn't. Jesus appeared to his disciples and to Thomas. And Jesus said to him, come and see my hands and place your hand in my side. And what does the scriptures tell us? Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And those verses are found in John chapter 20, verses 28 through 29. Notice that Jesus doesn't rebuke Thomas for worshiping him, but rather calls him blessed. Now Thomas fully believed and was no longer a doubter. Let me ask you a question. What do you worship? Who do you worship? What gives you the most pleasure in life? If you and I get more pleasure from anything else than spending time with Jesus in prayer and reading the scripture, then that is what becomes our God. When our focus is on the Lord, he is the center of our lives. He's the one who brings us joy in our lives. And we were worshiping him. Then, he beco- then it becomes natural to tell others about Jesus. You see, our conversation always resolves, revolves around the things that we worship, we admire, and what brings satisfaction and joy to us. When we focus on that, that's what we talk about. Now we come to the third point of making disciples. Jesus' plan to reach the world comes with Christ's authority. Comes with Christ's authority. Verse 18 says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. 
Isn't that great and exciting to know that the one whom we serve has all authority in heaven and on earth? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 22 tells us and of Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand with the angels, authorities and power in submission to him. And then Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 17 says this about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is above all things, and in him all things hold together. Christ is sovereign over all creation. Did you know that there is no such things are, that are accidents or things that happen by chance? Christ is in charge of everything. There is nothing that happens that God doesn't expect or that catches him off guard. Since Christ has all authority, since Christ has all authority, he allows things into our lives that won't make sense to us. And here are three examples. First, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. Then he was under Potiphar's control. From there, he went to prison, where Potiphar's wife accused him of wanting to rape her. From prison, he was exalted to being next to Pharaoh himself. And when his brothers finally repented and asked for forgiveness, Joseph said this to them, You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. There are no accidents. They may look like accidents. They may look like chances. But God is in control of everything. In the story of Job, it is Satan who asks permission twice to harm Job. First, Satan takes away all of Job's wealth and children. And second, Satan deals a crushing blow to his health. God allowed Satan only to go so far. Never does Job curse God or turn his back on God. Never does Job find out the hardship that he is experiencing is really a spiritual battle that is going on. In the end, God blesses Job even more than what he allowed Satan to take away from him. You see, there are no accidents. God is always in control. The final example is found in Mark chapter 4. Of course, in Mark chapter 4, we, talk about, we talked about this last week. The disciples and Jesus were in the boat when all of a sudden a storm came upon them. It was so severe that the boat was sinking and yet Jesus was sleeping. They finally waked Jesus and cried out to him and said, Don't you care that we are going to drown? And I think that's sometimes what we do when we're going through problems and difficulties in this life. We say to the Lord, don't you care about the situation that we're going through? Don't you care that we are suffering? Don't you care that we're going through this hardship, this tribulation? And yet Jesus does care. The scripture says at this time in verse 39, 
where he says this, he got up in Mark chapter 4, verse 39, he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves and said, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely storm of calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? This is the question that we have to ask ourselves about Jesus. Who is this person that controls the universe and controls your life and mine? Christ has all authority, and now Jesus gives us the charge to go and make disciples. Remember, Jesus says, all authority has been given, and we are under the control, and he will equip us and lead us to do the assignment that he has given us. And what is that assignment? It is to go and make disciples. Finally, we come, finally we come to the last insight of making disciples. And that is the plan to reach the world comes with a mission and a promise as found in verses 19 through 20. The scripture says this, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In verses 19 through 20, we find that we have been given one mission and two things that need to be done to accomplish this mission. So what is the mission that Christ has given us? The answer is to go and make disciples in all the world. Here at home, but all the world. Disciples is, a disciple is not a person who, pattern, who, pat, who is patterned after you and I, but a person who, pattern, who is patterned after Christ. In other words, a disciple is an individual who has been transformed by the power of God into Christ-likeness. The first part of regeneration is when a person repents and Christ forgives him. Then Christ transforms him by giving the sinner his righteousness. Yes, we are covered with the blood of Christ when we come to him. And we assume his righteousness. It is imputed to us. We are called to share the gospel and God will do the transforming. Once God has transformed a person, we are then called to baptize them and to teach them everything that we have been commanded to do. The goal is to make disciples who are fully devoted to Jesus Christ and who will multiply themselves. It is a joyous and a continuous responsibility until Christ's return. But God goes with us, and he goes before us, and he prepares the heart, and so that as we go and we share, it is God at work in the midst of us. However, here is the best part of the Great Commission, which is the promise of the last part of verse 20. Christ has promised to be with us. Christ has promised to be 
with us. How long? To the end of the age. Jesus did not give us a task that he will not go with us. I want you, I want to close with this story. I grew up in a small town. My parents owned a small grocery store. We lived in a two-story building where the floor, where the first floor was the business and the second floor was our living quarters. When I was six or seven years old, my parents gave me my first mission, and that was to deliver some groceries in my little red wagon down the street, one block away, to a lady's house. I was terrified. As I started, my dad stood on the corner watching me and giving me hand signals as I was making my way down there. I kept on looking back and wondering if I was doing it right. Never once did he let me out of his sight. I reached the lady's house and he helped make, and he helped, or she helped me take the groceries in. Then I left and started back home again. It seemed such a far distance, but my father was there watching me come home and then congratulated me on accomplishing the assignment. In the same way, God has given you and me a mission, and that is to reach the world through making disciples. We each may share the gospel a little bit different according to the gifts that God has given us. As a body and local church, we will work together, bringing people to the Lord and discipling them one at a time. In time, one will become two, two will become four, four will become eight, and eight will become 16, and so it will go. And we can reach our community and the world for Jesus by working together with the strength and the guidance that God has given us. You see, some people have the gift of, care, of, of giving, but we're all called to give. Some people have the gift of faith that scriptures talk about, but we're all called to have faith. Some people have the gift of leadership, but we are all called to lead in some way. And some people have the gift of evangelism, but we're all called to share our faith with others. Let's join together in Jesus' plan of reaching the world through making disciples. Because when we are working together with Christ's strength and his power, we'll accomplish the task of winning the world for Jesus Christ. Sometimes on the mount where the sun shines so bright 
Lord, leads his dear children along. Sometimes in the valley, in darkest of night, God leads his dear children along. Some through the waters, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. Some through great sorrow, but God gives us song in the night season and all the day long. Though sorrows befall us and evils oppose, God leads his dear children along. Through grace we can conquer defeat all our foes. Children along. Some through the waters, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. Some through great sorrow, but God gives us song in the night season and all the day. I want to close with this benediction. Before I do, I want to thank you for joining us this Sunday as we have worshipped the Lord together. Psalm chapter 67, verse 1 through 2 says this, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us, that your ways may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. Yes, what we want to do more than anything is to make God's ways known and to, and to share about salvation and transform people's lives. Pray with me as we close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time that we had together. We thank you that in everything there are no accidents, that nothing catches you off guard. And we thank you that you have given us the mandate. It is to go and make disciples of all nations, equipping them and sharing the gospel and winning people to the Lord. I pray now, Heavenly Father, you'd give us the strength to do it and to work together, to pray together and to reach out for that's what you have given us to do. I pray now, Lord, that you'd go with us as we go our separate ways. May we honor you in all the things that we do and say. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you.